0: All right, and welcome back to the Back Row Eagle Show, everybody. I'm your host, Michael Bauer. It's been a little bit since I've been here. Uh, A lot of stuff going on. Not a lot to talk about team-wise right now, but... um we do have a lot going on in the NFC East, and specifically in our nation's capital. So today, we have a known Redskins fan. We're just going to say Redskins um, because it's easier, and that's what we're used to. So we have a good friend of mine. We have Jorge Edwards, and he is from Fantasy in Frames, uh, a show that I've been guesting on a little bit. We've been doing some division breakdowns, having a lot of fun talking to him and Nate, so definitely check them out. Check out all the division—just break. Just check everything out that they do. They do fantastic uh, division breakdowns. Actually, everything fantasy-related and content-related that they do is fantastic. Just go check them out. We're going to pause here for a second for you to go subscribe. Just pause it. Okay, now go subscribe. You're back. Welcome back. Jorge, how are you doing today?
1: Uh, Mike, thank you very much. I'm doing uh, very well today. Very excited to be on the pod.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's a good time. This is a little looser than the Dynasty Rewind, so you can curse if you want. I don't care. Um, <laughs> just no C word. That's where I draw the line. That's it. Fair enough, fair uh, <laughs> enough. But, um, so we're, we're talking about Washington, man. Let's Let's start with the name. I mean, that's, But you know, actually before that, I I said, I would do this for you before. Um, Tell me about yourself. Tell me about the podcast that you guys do. Let's, let's get to that because I did promise that I would let you do that. And then I skipped right over it. So some host I am. So a little bit about yourself. How long have you been a, you could say Redskins, I guess. You know, and like I said before on your pod, if they would just change their logo to a potato, they keep the Redskins name. This is true. Uh, <laughs> this is true.
1: Um, so uh, so like Mike said, Jorge Edwards, you can find me at Jorge B. Edwards on Twitter. Uh, and so I created the website fantasyandframes.com back in 2017. And since then, we've been pu- publishing all sorts of uh, fantasy-related content, specifically speaking to Redraft uh, and Best Ball. And uh, we have our podcast, Fourth in Frames, that Mike has been on. Like he has said, we've been doing divisional previews leading up to draft season uh, this coming August. So, um, you know, check us out. Uh, we call all of you fans out there, four-eyed fans. And if you don't wear glasses, we know you're four-eyed at heart. So that's fine with us. And, uh, you know, you can follow us on Twitter, also at Fantasy and Frames. We have an eclectic group of, of people Um and writers and we have people writers that are in the UK writers that are all over people who just love fantasy football come to fantasy and frames. And we really are one big family. We just get along. I'm, I'm tweeting them and texting them at 2am. and like, this will be good content for this. And they're like, Jorge, go to sleep. I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> um, so we really put a lot of effort into making some quality content for you to enjoy. And to, most importantly, to have success in playing fantasy football. And you
0: guys are doing a great job over there. Um, everyone that I've interacted with from, from your group has been fantastic you know it's amazing the amount of fans in the united kingdom
1: of right? american
0: football it, it, it's it's pretty shocking and i guess i understand now why they do the england games they kind of suck i mean like okay let's say the we'll say the redskins washington team or the eagles you're a fan of either of those teams and they play in england and it's like a 9 9 30 start but you live in california now yep. you're waking up before the game because you want to get coffee you want to get breakfast so you're up at 5 five thirty on a sunday to watch a football game so it's a little rough i mean i understand that it's a big money-making thing but it is the national
1: football league right.
0: not the international football league sort of stuff. but um so tell me a little bit about your washington are you from the washington area yeah i was uh,
1: born and raised in montgomery county maryland which is just north of washington dc Okay. Uh, so I've lived here my entire life, went to school around here, been a Redskins fan slash <laughs> uh, Washington fan my entire life. So I'm very familiar with the team and all the drama and baggage that goes with it.
0: Okay. So your thoughts on Dan Snyder?
1: I think he genuinely means well, but just messes up every possible which way you could possibly mess up.
0: That was a hell of a pause too. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, do. You... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was going to... Do you guys have a general manager or is he acting GM?
1: So we had a general manager. Well, Bruce Allen was our general manager, okay. uh, slash head of operations, football operations. Mm-hmm. And he was fired last year. And so then when they hired Ron Rivera, I don't think they put a traditional general manager in place. I think one of the things or one of the terms that Ron Rivera, uh, you know, new head coach from Carolina, uh, said was that they're taking a team centric approach to running the organization and making personnel decisions, AKA Dan Snyder wants to be included. Uh, you know, there was a stretch of time here in Washington where he was meddling too much. He was spending too much money. He was trying to become mm-hmm. buddy buddy with all these players and not you know, running the organization like an owner. Uh, and so they finally, he finally put football people in place to run the organization, a general manager, right. you know, you know, different people. Okay. Yeah. And that went well for like a season. And then it went downhill very fast. And now it's like, we're back to, you know, Dan Snyder back in the very beginning where he's like, you know, I want to keep my hands in the pot, but I'm going to bring in a good, you know, authoritative head coach to, you know, be the guy who's going to be the face of this team centric approach. But I still want to have my hand in the pot.
0: I do like the hiring of Ron Rivera. Well, okay. I don't like it as an Eagles fan, but just from a pure NFL fan, the Ron Rivera move is fantastic. Oh I God, believe yeah. they hired Jack Del Rio as their defensive coordinator, right?
1: Yes, they do. They're switching to the 43 defense this year. It's going to be is,
0: epic. It's going to suit their defense perfectly, the guys that they have there. Um, so I love the hires. Like These are guys that have been in the NFL a long time, have right. a lot of coaching experience. And you know I know everybody wants the next Sean McVay, and that's fine. Right. But sometimes you just need guys that can organize. And obviously, they're professional football players. They're very talented. You just need people that can organize men. I still like the Rivera and the Del Rio hiring more than what Dallas did. I'm not a Mike McCarthy guy. If you're Mike McCarthy, if you're somewhat of a capable head coach, and you had arguably one of the a generational talent at quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, you should have more than one Super Bowl. It's it's just that easy. The word on the street is that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady didn't get along. They won six freaking Super Bowls. They were in nine, so. You know, you see, there's there's some sort of disconnect there. And there's a lot of time that the NFC North was not a good division. So th- there's no reason that the Packers shouldn't have done more. So I don't like the McCarthy hire. I mean, I do as an Eagles fan. Um I do like the Rivera and the Del Rio hiring. And I I don't know how to feel about what the Giants did. Joe Judge, I I don't know how I feel about it. I, I actually believe it or not, I think the best hire there was Jason Garrett as an offensive coordinator. I think he's one of those guys that's a better coordinator than head coach. But if you think about it, it's a smart hire. Joe Judge falls flat on his face. You have Jason Garrett that can come in, knows how to run a team. And we all love another 8-8 team in the NFC East, right?
1: Well, I mean, you know, that's exactly what he did in Dallas. You know, Wade Phillips was the head coach, and and Garrett was the coveted offensive coordinator. I remember the Ravens were trying to get him to Baltimore, but Jerry Jones blocked that from happening. It was like, no, he's the coach in waiting. You know, we all saw what happened. Look, it's not like the offenses were bad in Dallas when Jason Garrett was the head coach. They just were – predictable after a certain point this is Um, true and so now he's going to new york in terms of joe judge let me tell you great introductory press conference i mean i watched it i'm like okay i have zero investment in this team but if i was a fan watching this press conference all right i'm willing to give him a shot but you know
0: we'll see this is true but chip kelly's introductory press conference as the head coach of the eagles one of his things was big people beat up little people we're going to get bigger and he took a team that had tons of Pro Bowl talent on it and just tore it down. Now, at the end of the day, that brought us Doug Peterson. That brought us Super Bowl. So thanks, Chip. You could also go fuck yourself. All right. So this is something that it's kind of a conspiracy thing. You're probably going to know this a lot better than I will. Sure. Word on the street, the Twitter street is Bruce Allen had some quote unquote dirt on dan snyder and the organization which is why he was there for so long his firing or ousting led to the allegations that are being brought up now of i mean we're talking sexual misconduct we're talking prostitution rings with the cheerleaders which i don't buy at all i do not buy it that to me is so outlandish and i i can't get behind that What is your take on that? Do you think there's any merit to it? And what are your thoughts on the scandals that are going on in Washington right now?
1: Well, in terms of the, let's start with the last thing you talked about in terms of the cheerleader scandal, it wasn't a prostitution ring that happened. Uh, What happened was uh, club uh, level executives went on a trip to the Bahamas and they brought the cheerleaders along Okay, and they basically had them be their escorts for all these different events. Uh, There were rumors that they made them get naked and they would withhold their passports to, to ensure that they would comply. That that happened. They dealt with that internally. Don't know what that means, right? You yeah. think that, that would have been a bigger story than, you know, and the fact that we're hearing about it now kind of gives you a moment of pause, like, why wasn't this brought up a long time ago? Yeah. Uh, in terms of Bruce Allen having dirt on Dan Snyder, I'm sure every, look, I'm sure every high profile person has, somebody has dirt on them in some capacity. Of in course. In terms of, you have to, here's the thing about Daniel Snyder. The reason why he bought the Redskins is because, or the Washington, um, his dad was a huge fan. He grew up and instilled into him. This is the team that you're rooting for. This is the fan base. This is the history. Uh, you know, memorize it, learn it, love it. And the second he had the opportunity in the nineties to buy uh, the Redskins, he did. And he's been basically, it's, it's been his, his whole entire life's dream to own Washington and to run the Washington. And he's been acting kind of like a kid about it. Um, mm, okay. And so one of the things about Bruce Allen's hire is his dad, George Allen was the head coach of Washington back in the day. About talking like fifties, maybe earlier. I don't know the exact dates. So, so way, Allen, way back in the day, Yeah, way, way back in the day. So having an Allen, a member of the Allen family uh, with that tradition at Washington, like that was something that was important to Dan. Uh, when, when they brought in Bruce, uh, Allen back in 2012, they brought in Mike Shanahan, you know, and that we saw what happened there.
0: And I thought um, that was going to be something with him and RG 3 That first season.
1: Look, everyone loved it. It was gold. Hey, we were scared up here in Philly, man. I mean, I believe that was the season that we, that, uh, we beat Philadelphia twice. And then that was no more Andy Reid after that. I think, right. Well, because then Chip Kelly came in the year after that. Although, yeah,
0: I mean that that was part of it. But like you had mentioned before about Jason Garrett getting predictable, Andy Reid got really predictable here, and he obviously learned his lesson because the Chiefs' offense is extremely dynamic and extremely versatile and very adaptable. A lot of that is Eric Bienemy, too, of course. Sure. Um, and I just want to touch on something real quick, if I could. Um, yeah. One thing that I think is just complete BS. People are saying that Eric Bienemy is not getting a head coaching job or interviews because he's black. That's completely ridiculous. A lot of times these positions are filled before the playoffs are even over. The Chiefs have been successful. So his downfall, in my opinion, are teams not wanting to wait to get their head coach in and being a member of a of an of extremely successful organization. The guy's right. gonna get a head coaching job. Hey, you know what? Maybe he likes being the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. Like Yeah. yeah you, got exactly. a, you got a good gig there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I could realistically go to a different shop and be a manager, full-time manager. Like I just managed a shop and my boss isn't there. Why do I want to do that? I don't want that headache. It's terrible. I just wanted to touch on that. That's been my opinion on it. Um, so back to the, the Allen thing, do you think that teams stymie themselves when they try to go back to their heritage too much? That was something the Eagles did. I mean, we're talking back in the day. Well, the, you know, his his dad was around back in the day, too. They constantly tried to get guys from the 1960 NFL championship team, the Eagles, that is, um, to be coaches, to be position coaches, head coaches. It's like eventually you have to get some new blood in there. And, you know, you want to build lineage and winning. Sometimes going to the past isn't necessarily the way to do that. Do you agree I mean, or disagree with that?
1: I, I mean, I, I agree. We saw that. In the 2000s, with you know them bringing back Joe Gibbs, Hall of Fame head coach for Washington, right? And it wasn't until the end of his run in Washington that you finally saw you finally saw him get it. You know, he finally got the new NFL. uh You know how it is. You know, in the 2000s versus you know when he left in 92, 93, and then he left, and then it's like we started all over again. And so, yeah, I think going back, I think you know. In hindsight, it was great for PR. It was great to sell tickets to bring Joe Gibbs back, but they should have been focusing on the future, building some new memories. And only thing we have to say in Washington when we talk about the Redskins slash you know, the Washington football team is the past. We, we, you know, we have, what, two division titles this century, one, you know, it, it's yeah. ridiculous. Um, and we need to start thinking forward than uh, thinking backwards. Sorry, I'm a disgruntled Redskins
0: fan. No, it's okay. You're allowed to be a disgruntled Redskins fan. That's that's fine. Let me ask you this um, before we move on. To some other things. I, I actually am taking some notes here because there's a, a lot of things I want to talk to you about. Sure. Um, it's just it's coming to me as we're talking. Okay. Is Joe Gibbs your favorite skins coach of all time? I mean, the guy won three Super Bowls with three different starting quarterbacks, which I I don't even I can't even fathom doing that. That's fantastic. And I mean, we're talking. When they did that, I don't know about the first one, but the second two were like late 80s, early 90s. The Eagles were good. The Giants were good. They were winning Super Bowls. The Cowboys were really good. So this dude's winning Super Bowls in a stacked division. Right. I mean, is he your favorite, or do you have another guy?
1: So, I mean – the default answer is Joe Gibbs, right? Three different three different eras, three different quarterbacks, like you said.
0: Just like I should technically say that Andy Reid is my favorite coach of all time. It's not. It's still Buddy Ryan. I have a soft spot for him, but anyway, right. proceed.
1: So my favorite coach is Marty Schottenheimer. He had a one-year gig in Washington the first year that uh, Daniel Snyder owned the team. Originally, Snyder wanted to get... Uh, the old ball coach out of the swamp in Florida, Steve Spurrier, but he didn't want to leave Florida at the time. So he brought in Marty Schottenheimer instead. And he completely, you know, tore apart that team and rebuilt it, uh, for, you know, to a more defensive centric um, environment. And the team was awful. The team went like 0-5 and it was a horrible start to the season. And then everybody's thinking like, What's going to happen? Are they going to fire Schottenheimer midseason? You know they had Jeff George as the starting quarterback. It was a big free agent acquisition, one of Daniel Sanders first free agent acquisitions, uh, it was to get Jeff George from the Vikings. And uh, you know, two games in, you could see on national TV, Schottenheimer just basically benches him and chucks the playbook at him and says, "Run the plays." And he put in Tony Banks as the uh, quarterback. That being said. Even after they went zero and five, they rattled off five victories in a row, and they ended the season eight and eight. To go from like the bottom of the barrel, which coincidentally that first win to get them on that five in a row was against Philadelphia.
0: Oh, you're killing um, me here. W- one of on, the few man.
1: things I could <laughs> brag about, uh, which is like you know one out of four this century. So you know, you're not hurting <laughs> yeah. exactly. But right. that that turnaround, that the way he was able to rally those people who quite frankly had no business being on the field at all to get to eight and eight. Was totally respectable, and you know, it just made you wonder: had he stayed on longer, what could have could they have done something really special?
0: It's definitely possible. I mean, Schottenheimer was a great coach, but there was a lot of you know, he did get complacent in the playoffs. We saw that with um, with Chargers. the Chargers. Yeah. I mean, there was times where I th- what were they one year fourteen and two?
1: They lost and, to New I, England in the uh, playoffs. Yeah,
0: I, it's, but it, you know, New England in the playoffs that that's tough. That's tough not to crack. Right. Um, you know, I could see your passion. I love that. And that and you're very knowledgeable. That's what I love too. You're not over here. Look, oh, I think they did, and oh, let me look that up. You know, you know your <laughs> stuff. That's why I had you on because I, I knew that you'd be good at this. So let me ask you this: sure. thoughts on Jim Zorn?
1: My thoughts on Jim Zorn is when you know. We when had, I asked you all, that, it looked like you died a little. I did die a little <laughs> because I'm remembering his introductory press conference. Um, you knew things were going downhill with Jim Zorn when he referred to the colors of the, of the Washington Redskins as the gold black and gold when we're, or no, the maroon and yellow when we're, we're the burgundy and gold that's, mm-hmm. you know, so he even got that wrong. He was ill-prepared. Daniel Snyder hired Jim Zorn to come in and be the offensive coordinator. Once Gibbs left, then he couldn't find somebody to be the head coach. And it's like, well, we have Zorn under contract we'll just bump him up to a, uh, to a head coach. This guy was a quarterback's coach. He had no idea what it was like to be an offensive coordinator, let alone a head coach. So um, it was not good memories, to answer your question. It was not a good time, uh, even though his first year, they started, I want to say, 6-2 and with the sixth victory, again, coming against the Philadelphia Eagles. You are killing me here,
0: man. You are killing Um, me.
1: (laughs) And then it went precipitously downhill, uh, as we all know culminating in the uh, the bringing in of Sherm Lewis to be the offensive coordinator or the play caller when it was really – it was so stupid. They brought in they – they lost the faith in Jim Zorn, Snyder that is, and whoever the GM was, Vinny Serrato at the time, which not a big Vinny Serato fan either. Okay. Um, and they weren't happy with the play calling. Oh, his play calling is too rudimentary. So we'll bring in this guy who's been retired, who hasn't you know been in the league for the past 20 years. We'll get him out of the bingo hall. And we'll have him call the plays in the booth. And Jim Zorn will relay those plays to the quarterback. It's like, you know, so at a certain point, even the organization turned their back on Jim Zorn. uh, And they couldn't wait to get rid of him. It's,
0: it's, I just remember towards the end of his tenure there, I was watching one of their games and he's just standing on the sideline with nothing to do. Like they wouldn't let him do anything. He would just show up. And it's like, just put the guy out of his misery, man. Yeah.
1: No, exactly. And and it was a Monday night football game against the Giants the week before they had run a fake field goal for a touchdown pass. The snapper threw the ball guy received it and they wanted to try the same trick against the Giants on Monday night football on the national stage. And they worked the play to perfection, but there was a penalty on Washington. They had to redo the play. And so, you know, what Jim Zorn did out of defiance? He ran the same play again. Even in the Giants were completely, they weren't going to be fooled by that. Like, in, in the booth, the commentators, what was it, Tarico and Gruden back in the day? They were like, "Really? They're going to be running? They're going to run the same play again? This is totally, uh, you know what? You know, fuck you to Dan Snyder on his way out. You know what I mean?" <laughs>
0: yeah, that was you probably men- the one
1: cool thing, Jim Zorn did.
0: <laughs> you mentioned John Gruden. Let's talk about Jay Gruden a little bit.
1: Yeah, let's talk um, about Jay Gruden
0: because I'm a Jay Gruden fan personally. I thought he did a lot of good things with Andy Dalton in cincinnati i think he's going to be fantastic for gardner Minshew and that entire offense in jacksonville a lot of people are sleeping on jacksonville they they got a shot i'm not going to say that they're going to win that division um but i could if they finish second like i think that it's the titans division right now um i will never root for the houston texans as long as bill o'brien is head coach because he's a piece of shit um he he's fucked over penn state
1: yeah, wrong. I was going to say, is there a Penn State connection somewhere?
0: <laughs> there is, yeah. So, and obviously, you trade one of the best wide receivers in the game for a broken-down running back. You're just, an, you're a moron. They need a right. general manager in Houston. Right. Um, Indy could go either way. They have an old quarterback, so if they finish second, I wouldn't be super surprised. But so, I like Jay Gruden. He did a lot of good things in Washington. I thought a guy that got the most out of his quarterback, whoever it was at the time. Um, do you think he got? kind of the short end of the deal there, because this is a guy that kept that team competitive despite really a lot of times not being given a lot to work with, in right. my opinion.
1: You know, it's almost as like, you know, Bruce Allen and Daniel Snyder were like running low on money and they decided, you know, we're not going to resign to Sean Jackson. We're not going to resign, you know, Pierre Garcon. Uh, we're going to let Kirk Cousins walk. Let's save some money because we're losing money. And let's give Jim Zorn the bare – excuse me, Jim Zorn. Jay Gruden, <laughs> that's horrible. I'm so sorry, Jay Gruden, if you're listening. Okay. that I compared you to Jim Zorn. Um, He's so I'm listening.
0: You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> you're
1: good. Let's give uh, you know, Jay Gruden the bare minimum and then be surprised when it doesn't work out and then we'll fire him midseason. I thought he got, like, like you said, the raw end of the stick there. You know, if you're going to – you know, it got to the point where they wouldn't even let him be involved in the draft process. The Dwayne Haskins pick from a couple of years ago, he wasn't even involved in that. The the GM and all that and Snyder, they uh, that was them. Yeah, he and,
0: wanted, um, I forget who he wanted. I know, I know it wasn't Haskins.
1: I don't know if it was Jones. Um, well, he wouldn't have
0: been there anyway. Right. I don't believe.
1: Yeah, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But no, he, he he. Look, he was a player's coach. People love. He, he was great at fostering relationships, and I think that's so important for football teams and head coaches and the position coaches to really foster really great relationships. You know, um, he had a great relationship with Deshaun Jackson, with Garcon, with Kirk Cousins, with a lot of the people you know on the offense and on the defensive side of the ball. But eventually, you know, the Redskins stopped providing. Weapons. You know, you have to be able to compete. You have to be competitive. And for some reason, they yanked the plug on that and they said, you know, we're gonna go to a more draft heavy approach and build that way versus investing in the now. And quite frankly, you know, by the time Washington had won their last division title, which I believe was twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen. I
0: think it was twenty fifteen. I I looked this up for some reason to do research for something. I I can't remember why. I think it was Um, something about Kirk Cousins, actually.
1: Right, so uh, 2015, which coincidentally the game that clinched them the division title was against the Philadelphia Eagles. You going Christmas. back?
0: You're going back to the well here. <laughs> going Go back
1: to this Eagles Redskins. Well I told here. you I have like four or five things this century it's that okay. I have to get out there. Um, it's, we we got you. It's fine. But no, like they were right there. They were on the cusp. All they needed to do was just keep that core together, maybe add a few more pieces, and great. And then, you know, the higher ups are like, no, no, we're going to abandon this, you know, success that we're having. And they they didn't give him a chance. Now, people will talk about Jay Gruden from a personal perspective. And I don't think, I don't know if, you know, all the listeners out there have seen the, the videos of him at a college party or at a house party smoking and. Drinking and getting—I don't know if it was getting high or not—but there was something that leaked, and he was—he looked at the guy who was recording him. He was like, "Come on, man!" And then just went about <laughs> his business. And it, he was hanging out with some chicks, and definitely wasn't his—excuse me—women, and definitely wasn't—definitely um, wasn't his wife or family. So it was—you can say what you want to say about him personally, but uh, in terms of professionally, I thought he got the wrong end of the deal. I think he's a great offensive coordinator, a great offensive mind. I'm with you. Jacksonville is definitely being slept on. Um, I think he's going to do great things for Gardner Minshew.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And he's gotten a lot out of guys like uh, I know Andy Dalton was a second round pick, but I believe he was still there when AJ McCarron was. No, that was Hugh Jackson that got a lot out of AJ McCarron. My bad. Right. Um, Kirk Cousins was what a seventh round draft pick, if memory serves me correct.
1: Yeah, sixth or seventh, I believe. Yeah,
0: yeah. Minshew's a 6th round pick, so he knows how to get. Stuff out of guys that aren't necessarily highly touted. Well,
1: well, when Cousins was drafted was during the RG3 year. That was when I remember uh, Shanahan was still running the show.
0: Okay. But but still he was a late pick and he 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 got the, Yeah. 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 Now, what did you, what are your thoughts on how the whole RG3 Cousins thing went down? Do you think that Mike Shanahan ruined RG3? That seems to be general consensus around the league is I think it was, had he not put him in, in that playoff game, something like that, hurt his knee worse, blah, blah, right. blah. What are your thoughts on that? Because you saw – I mean, you saw every snap. You saw every game. You saw it all unfold. So you're going to have a better perspective on that than I will from up here.
1: Well, let, let me tell you. Let me, let me reminisce, if you don't mind. Uh, it was like two days ago. I'm on Facebook, and I go to the NFL highlights page where they sometimes show full games from some game back in the day. And the game that they had on – Was the 2012 Week 17 matchup, Washington Dallas for the NFC East title, RG3's first year? Washington wins it. And watching that game now, knowing what I know, I'm seeing what RG3 is doing, and I think it's great. But at a certain point, you know, you get concerned. You know, you see him hobbling, and it's like, I know what's going to happen a week from now. I see him hobbling. You're watching him during the game against Seattle, where he got hurt, you know, they were up, I want to say, by like two touchdowns, three touchdowns. They could have put Cousins in there, iced it, and been fine, and then things just went really downhill really fast. Did they screw up – did Shanahan screw up RG3? I don't think he did. I think it's a combination of people getting in RG3's ear. Um, You know, it got to a certain point where he said, I'm not going to run the plays you want me to run. Uh, And if that's going to be the case, it's like, well, if you're not going to run the plays, you know, what do you want? What do you want to do? You want to not do the zone read anymore? No, I don't want to do the zone read. I want to be a packet, a pocket passing quarterback. And um, a lot of people were saying that it was his dad who was in his ear saying, look, don't let them put you in a position where you can get hurt again, you know, tell them to do this a certain way. And so I get it. I get what the dad's doing. He's concerned from his son at the end of the day, he's a player who's under contract. I don't care what he's, whether he's a sec- second overall pick or not. Like, you do what your coaches require of you, or you go to a different team. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and he wouldn't do that. And, you know, RG3 was Daniel Snyder's boy. He would give, uh, you know, RG3, take my limousine for the night, go out in Georgetown, have a good time, go out in D.C., party it up, just take my stuff, take my personal security with you, you know. Uh, oh, there's drama in the locker room with, uh, with you? Okay, it's okay. I'm going to come up to you and give you a high five and be like, I'm all about RG3. Meanwhile, the guy who actually won the game is next to RG3 in the locker next to him, and Daniel Snyder couldn't even tell you his name. Um, a lot of uh, – it, it was RG3 uh, definitely not being a team player.
0: You know, it's amazing you look back at that staff too. You have Mike Shanahan who – great offensive mind. Did a lot of great things with the Denver Broncos. A lot of people say that that a lot of that was John Elway, and it was. John Elway, fantastic quarterback. Right. But he got a lot out of undrafted guys, scrap heap guys for running backs. I mean, he made 1,000-yard rushers out of people that no. not Hall of Fame players by any means. But then you had Kyle Shanahan on the staff, fantastic head coach. Sean McVay was on that staff at one point in time. So as a Washington fan, do you ever look back and go, Fuck man, we could have had Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan as our head coach. I mean, that's got to be hard. But there's a lot of guys that came through the ranks in Philadelphia too that did a lot elsewhere. John Harbaugh, first one that comes to mind, he was our special teams coordinator for a number of years. Right. And, you know he he won a it Super Bowl yeah. in Baltimore, and he's fantastic head coach. Love him. A lot of other guys. Uh, but you didn't know Jeff Fisher was also on the Eagles staff at one point in time. Didn't um, know that back way back in the day. I mean we're From talking
1: the back in the day or um, not that far back buddy,
0: buddy ryan era
1: buddy ryan okay around
0: there yeah uh but there's been a lot of guys like that so your thoughts as a washington fan you hate seeing those guys go elsewhere then get a shot and be successful
1: i thought they were doing i thought the shanahans were doing such a good job with the turnaround that they were brought in to do in washington and it came down to the owner having to pick between rg3 and the progress the Shanahan's have made and the owner made the wrong decision. Yeah. There was too much talent on that coaching tree to, to let go. Um, you know, that being said, when I see, you know, Shanahan and Atlanta, you know, when they face the Patriots in the super bowl, I was, I was cheering for the Falcons, not because I'm a Falcons fan, but because I, I want success for Kyle.
0: And it's you easy mean? to cheer against the Patriots. Let's be real.
1: Sure. <laughs> throw, throw that in there as well. But, you know, seeing the success, uh, that Kyle Shanahan's had in San Francisco has been fantastic. You know, seeing Trent Williams, our former left tackle, being traded with San Francisco, you know, reuniting with Kyle Shanahan, the, you know, he was the guy who helped bring him into the league. Um, I, I I want the success for all the coaches that left Washington. I want success for Kirk Cousins, who got the wrong end of the deal. I want anybody who got screwed by this organization to have success wherever they go, um, and I'm very passionate about that because – man washington just shot themselves in the foot and did it in such a dick way mm-hmm. um you know it's hard to be a fan sometimes but you know you you stick through it you because know, you know you have your loyalty but they give you so many reasons and here and if i could kind of loop back a little bit about the name thing
0: whatever you want man cuz the name is next so okay, that's so, next on my list so go ahead take it away so,
1: so one of uh, one of the podcast co-hosts, uh, who you haven't met yet, his name is Ken Sonnenberg.
0: He, he's uh, running the Hans Molman division of the charity tournament. So i I yes. talked to him a little bit, but I haven't actually like face-to-face like what we're doing now.
1: Right, yeah, no, our uh, four-eyed championships are charity tournament at Fantasy and Frames. Uh, yes. So uh, he and I were talking on the phone. I was driving home. I had a long drive the other day. And uh, he was telling me how he has a friend who's a Washington fan who's now thinking about switching allegiances because of all this stuff that's going on. And I, and I say to him, so let me get this right. Two, three winning seasons in an entire this century, all the drama previously, but now because of a name change, now you're pulling the plug on being a fan. Like to me, that's stupid. Like yeah. if you're going to switch, you know, if you want to switch allegiances, it's fine. Is because you hate the owner. Fine. You hate the team. They suck. They don't win. You know, life's short. You know, you want to root for a winner. Fine. I get it. You know, but for the name, you know, I, I'm not, to me, that, that is, that is stupid. Like the priorities as far as what we find important or what a lot of these people in Washington find important is, is definitely skewed because we cheer the players. You know, we, we buy the jerseys, we wear right. the names on the back. We cheer these players, whether they're, you know, like I was just telling you, I'm rooting for Kirk Cousins. I'm not going to put on a Vikings jersey, but I, at the of same course. time, I'm rooting for the guy and hope he has a lot of success. You know, um, that doesn't mean I'm cheering for the Vikings. So, you, you know, um, yeah, the name thing is definitely a sensitive subject. I personally don't care. Um, I, look, I, I shouldn't say I don't care. I'm a, I'm a Redskins fan. My wife's a Cowboys fan. We have that, I don't know if you've seen on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, they have these flags that say house divided where it's like half the logo and yet. half the other logo. And so we have a that flag with the Redskins logo and the Cowboys logo hanging over our recliners. And we sit there on our appropriate sides and we're watching the Cowboys Redskins play twice a year. I have many football helmets, posters and everything. And I'm like, crap, do I take this down? Do I leave it up? Do you know, I don't know. Um, and, you know, you see all the new merchandise for Washington starting to flow in there. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to – I'll probably get it because, you know, why not? Um, even though it's going to be stupid in a year. Um, but the, the name thing, it, it's it's a little ridiculous uh, that people are jumping ship uh, as fans. I truly believe, though, the old adage that winning cures everything will make this go away really fast. It's like true. If Washington wins the division for the next couple of years, you know, gets to the playoffs, gets to the championship game, you know, uh, that'll go a long way to kind of like curing whatever is going on right now. But for right now, people are just losing their minds in the nation's capital over this, and it's really, it's really sad. It's really sad that people want to jump ship now just because, you know, look, let's face it, we're in a we're in a society where we have to be sensitive to certain issues. And if, some, some, if something's causing, you know, even if it's one person or a hundred people, you know, uh, you know, disdain or you know, it hurts them or it insults them, you know, we this is this is how it is now. Like we, ha- there, change is going to happen. So whether you like it or not, it's coming. It's already came. They retired the name. They retired the logos, and you just got to move forward. And people, people, people like to dwell. And one of the things we like to do here in the nation's capital. Is we internalize and dwell a lot. You turn on all the Washington radio channels. I tell you what, uh, never when you're driving through Washington, D.C., like when you're coming, when you're, if you're going on vacation, you know, taking 95 South or you're going somewhere, never turn on Redskins radio or anything sports talk related in the, in the Washington, D.C. area because you'll immediately want to put a gun to your brain. It's that horrible.
0: Well, trust me, Philadelphia sports talk media is no better. It's bad. Do you listen to, uh, I think his name is Steve Zaben.
1: The Zabe, yes.
0: He so we actually used to be able to get him up here uh for a while on 1470 a.m. Mm-hmm. And even though he's a Redskins guy, like I loved his show. I think he's a fantastic, fantastic uh commentary guy. He does a great show. Um the whole crew that they had there was great. Unfortunately, that station went away from sports talk, it went to some mm-hmm. other
1: crap. Yeah, you know so he, he's do- very sarcastic. And and, and at least he can put, like, a humorous spin. Yeah. But every other
0: station. He's not too serious about it, which I love.
1: Right. Uh, And and he's very interactive with people on Twitter. Really a good follow. Um, But every other station, it's just, like, negative Nancy. And it's like, hey, let's get some callers in to talk about how bad it is. Let's talk about the drama. I'm like, talk to me about football. Talk to me about the defensive ends and the adjustments. Talk to me about some, like. X's and O's. Talk to me about something that I actually will care about, not the drama. And that's something that, unfortunately, with a lot of Washington fans, it's the same thing. It's about the drama. It's not about the product on the field.
0: We get that up here, too. Hey, so what do you think the name should be? Obviously, it can't be the Washington football team forever. Um,
1: Look, I'm going to tell you, when the XFL was operating this year and we had the D.C. Defenders.
0: And please come back, XFL. I miss you. I really do. Fantastic fantastic product.
1: Yeah. Uh, when we had the D.C. Defenders, it was so refreshing not to have to worry about a football team and worry about the name or what you're wearing. Oh, yeah. Does it say Washington or does it say Redskins? Can I wear this? Can I not? Um, people just didn't care. Excuse me, didn't care. They went to the games. They had a great time. We had the beer snake uh, th- thing that was going on with all the empty cups. Uh, you know, Everyone was just getting into it. It was a good, fun time. And the XFL is gone. I would love for them to be the D.C. Defenders or the Washington Defenders. Uh, unfortunately, that's that's not going to be the case. Uh, but what do I want the name to be? Not stupid is what I want the name to be. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm open to a lot of things. Now, some people might be thinking, well, how come they didn't change the name now? How come they just decided to call themselves the Washington football team? Why are they taking 12 to 18 months to get a new logo, get a new name. Well, when it comes to trademark law, it is—it takes a long time to get trademarks and copyrights and all that jazz finalized. Okay. There's no way they were going to get that done from mid-July to you know opening day. Not happening. Uh, and what's even better, quote unquote, there's this guy. His name's a uh, Philip Martin Macaulay. Uh, is that sick, the
0: guy that stole all the names and
1: he stole all it? these names? <laughs> And, like, he's going now, like, at first he tweeted out when he did this years ago. He's like, I'm going to make Daniel Snyder pay through the nose for these names. And now he's going on, like, local news stations and saying, I didn't mean to be such a hindrance to Snyder getting these names. If whatever I can do to expedite things to make sure that, they're, you know, Washington gets a name that they're proud of, a.k.a., you know, tickle my palm with a lot of bills there, and I'll give you the name. Oh, yeah. That That, I believe, is the reason why. They decided to go watch the Washington football team and not uh, do a complete changeover. The Warriors has been brought up. The Red Tails, uh, honoring the Tuskegee Airmen, has been brought up. The Red Wolves has gotten really popular on Twitter, and I have no idea where that comes from.
0: That that one doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah.
1: Stay away so the, from that. Yeah, the Warriors, the Red Tails, you know, they're the generals. Uh, there's been talk that maybe they'll ditch the burgundy and gold color scheme and match the red, white, and blue color scheme that all the other teams in Washington have. Um, You know, if, if they, yeah, if people are jumping ship now because of a name change, can you imagine if they'd like change the colors and completely redo the identity of this team off? Like it'll be, yeah, it'll be insufferable. Um, Yeah. No, it's pretty nuts though. Uh, I'd be okay with the warriors. That sounds okay. Uh, but um but no, it, it's not stupid to answer your question.
0: But what about the Sentinels? I mean, come on.
1: I, look, I I love I love the Sentinels. That's such a great movie. In fact, after my, we're done today, I'm gonna go watch it because it's so, so good.
0: In case you don't know what we're talking about, the movie The Replacements with Keanu Reeves, my favorite sports movie of all time, right up oh, there.
1: Oh yeah, love it. No, it, it's fantastic. Uh, was it Shane Falco was, Shane was Falco. the Shane Falco. Yeah. Footsteps. Yeah. Yeah. Footsteps. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I know. I mean, and the team there is the DC Sentinels or Washington Sentinels or whatnot. Yeah. That could be cool. Um, uh, In fact, that trademark DC Sentinels was recently like made official by somebody, somebody had bought that around here. We don't know who bought that, but you know um, people in this area have been waiting for a name change for a while and people have been buying all these names that could potentially be replacements and now washington's like we've gone from saying we'll never change the team name to now we're scrambling to like buy out whatever we need to buy out to get the new name
0: yeah um great move Uh, and you're talking about changing colors when we change the colors from the kelly green to the current Well, it's actually technically not the current. The green that they use now is different than what they changed it to. I love the Um,
1: Kelly green, by the way. Such a such a good look.
0: We got two of the things I wanted. Got a Super Bowl, or one. We got one of the two things I really want. We got a Super Bowl, and I want them to go back to Kelly Green, like the Randall Cunningham era that had the cool bird on, you know, with Uh the football on its talons. That's what I really want. So, the green that you see now, like, just imagine Carson Wentz in his home jersey. That green is different than the green that they actually changed it to when they changed it in 96. Mm. I hated the color change. Hated it. My dad loved it. He absolutely loved it. He said he hated the Kelly green. They never won anything in the Kelly green. You know, up until a couple years ago, they never really won anything in this green either. So uh, color changes are hard. If you Next time you watch an Eagles game, the winter is the best time, believe it or not, to see this. Look at the stadium. Most of those jackets, those Eagle jackets, are all throwbacks. Really, I have a throwback Eagles jacket too. I bought it on eBay.
1: Freaking got, love it. Got a starter jacket or something? Or it's like, it's got... a
0: like Brand Seven or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife refuses to go out with me if I wear it. <laughs> She's like, take that fucking thing off and get away from me. I'm like, listen, this is cool. It's got the big front pocket on it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah uh, uh, I, you know, I have a question for you since we're talking about Philadelphia now, because absolutely, yeah, you know, being a Redskins fan. There's only a handful of times that we were on the mainstream media because we were winning, uh, and the <laughs> Eagles have been fairly dominant in the division for this century. What is your favorite Eagles moment? I'll tell you what mine is, even though I shouldn't, but I'll tell you what mine is in a little bit. But this century, what's your favorite Eagles moment besides obviously winning the Super Bowl? Like a, it could be like a play in the game or a move that was made or something.
0: <sighs> that's that's pretty tough. I mean some that come to mind is that snow game against the lions mm-hmm. uh was really fun i wasn't there thank god because it would have taken forever to get home right. um probably one of my favorite eagles moments was uh, i'm going to give you two um when they first the first time they won the division with andy Reid as a head coach that was really special to me because i've been a an eagles fan since so i've been about five years old five or six right around so right around 1990 um, you know, there was a lot of tough times when John Gruden was the offensive coordinator. Uh, Ray Rhodes was the head coach, yeah. and they were getting blacked out. Yeah. Couldn't watch the game on TV because they were so bad. Darnell Autry was their starting running back. Go ahead and look him up. Okay. welcome to <laughs> that, Eagles fans. Um, but my second favorite is probably uh, the first time I watched a football game, my little girl. Um, oh. She had no idea what's going on, but just to do that with my child, and that's something that my father and I bonded with was – doing this. It's something that we still do together. We watch games together. We don't hang out that often. Um, so doing that with her has been great. Um, but I mean, that's tough saying short of the Super Bowl, you know. Right. Um, last year was really special for me too, believe it or not. Just the way that the adversity that they overcame, a lot of injuries. Carson Wentz, first Eagles quarterback to ever throw for over 4,000 yards, which is impressive considering his team's been around since 1933. Right. They had Donovan McDab. they had Ron Jaworski. Randall Cunningham, and he's the first one to throw for over 4,000 yards. For whatever reason, the, the play that sticks out in my mind is against the Giants in week 16, and Wentz just going back and off his right foot, off balance, just flinging the ball into the corner of the end zone. I don't even know who caught it. I think it was Zach Ertz, but just his motion in that play really sticks out to me. I can't explain why. It's the all-black uniforms. It was in Philadelphia, I think. might have Not even sure. been in New York. I don't remember. So it's it's really hard but that, I will tell you this the Super Bowl year nobody thought we were going to
1: win the Super Bowl that year. No. Even when the game started you didn't think like with the intensity of the going nope. back and forth you didn't think, "Oh, they're doing something special here."
0: When I first got the feeling that they might win, that they might have a shot, I actually went to, I went to two games that year. So I went to the season opener in Washington. Um Fucking box game, right? Yes. And they do open the season in Washington again this year. They're always fun that. games,
1: those week one week one battles versus Philly in Washington.
0: I, I always like their their week one matchups. Um there was a great game. I was like, okay, well, we're we're better than the Redskins. We kind of thought that they we were coming in. So, you know, it was closed for a while. Um, but then it was in October. I actually went to this game. It was against the Broncos. Joe Flacco. Well no, I'm sorry. It was um not Joe Brock, Osweiler. Brock Osweiler, thank you. He was the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos. But the whole thing was, listening to talk radio on the way down, how is this offense going to stack up against a dominant uh, Broncos defense? There's just no possible way. And they smoked them. I mean, they absolutely they, – they just – they put their foot on the throat and they didn't let up. Probably not the right thing to say in today's political climate, but for – that football reference they did um and their defense was outstanding so Carson Wentz got hurt I almost cried I wanted to throw up I thought right. I and you know what my my first thought was here we go again All right. here we go again Nick Foles comes in wins the game looks like shit the next week against Giants does throw four touchdowns looks yeah. terrible on Christmas against the Raiders yeah. the playoff start they win by one point against the Falcons Right, In the divisional playoffs, underdogs. Hence, remember the masks.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 Chris Long and all that.
0: Yep, and then um the next, the next week against uh the Vikings. I remember I'm sitting at Riverside Bar and Grill outside of Easton, Pennsylvania. Went with some friends of mine. Case fucking Keenum drives him right down the field and throws a touchdown pass to Kyle Rudolph. I look at my wife and I was like, "Do you want to get the fuck out of here?" Because this is how this is going to go. She's like, "No, no, no, we're going to stay." We're going to at least watch first half. Right. And then they score 38 unanswered points. Patrick Robinson intercepts the ball, blah, blah. The fact of the matter is they got hot at the right time. They were a good team all year, but Nick Foles came in. He got hot. Nick Foles is a very streaky quarterback. He's also way more injury prone than Carson Wentz, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, And just so you know, I heard on a podcast, it was a fantasy football podcast. No, it was not. It was the the Philly podcast with Victor Williams. He had a guy on that. He said, you know, you want to talk about injury prone, especially for a quarterback. Staying healthy is the anomaly. Staying healthy in the NFL, period, is the anomaly. It should not be considered the norm when you consider the fact these guys are basically going through multiple car accidents for three hours for 16 weeks. And I'm like, That's a good way to think about it. So a lot of special moments for me. Um, I always do like when they play Washington, though. They're just always fun games. And it's always the first half, the first game of the year. They look like shit. Yeah, Washington's yucking up. And then we're we're a second-half team, man. Like Uh, games.
1: Yeah, I I totally – Yeah, totally. You know, Terry McLaurin had his coming-out party last year. Yes, uh, he did. So that was fun (laughs) to watch. Uh, you know, it's always close for a little bit, and then Philly pulls away. But let me, let me tell you my favorite Eagles memory, because um, I was, you know, I was big Brett Favre fan back in the day, and I thought that there was a season that, you know, the Packers, it was a season that his dad died, where he went on Monday Night Football, and he oh. threw the four-touchdown game. And against the Raiders. Against the Raiders, right. Uh, so they're in the playoffs, and they're facing Philly, and I'm like, this is getting a little bit too close, like. I I want Green Bay to win, but Philly kept on coming back and coming back. And I'm like, man, Philly's being really resilient here. Like They have to do something really spectacular to really earn this and for me to be okay with the Packers losing. Uh, and then fourth and 26 happened. Yeah. You
0: know, but just don't forget, that did not seal the game. If memory serves no, me correctly, it was a Brian Dawkins interception on Brett Favre that sealed the game. But fourth and 26, the one thing that Freddie Mitchell did in his career, it was fourth and 26. <laughs> but, okay, so wouldn't you hear that? That's not entirely true. If you would go on to – I use um, the website. It's like pro – let me just bring this up real quick to tell you guys where I get my stats from. It's uh, profootballreference.com. Mm-hmm. If you go on profootballreference.com, look at the game logs for Freddie Mitchell in 2004. He was actually pretty productive after T.O. went down and in the playoffs. Um, but that was another one right there where um, – a team got hot. They were hot all year, but they got blown out against Pittsburgh, which uh, New England used a lot of nuances that Pittsburgh did in the Super Bowl against them. But
1: mm.
0: Bill Belichick's one of the greatest head coaches of all time. I actually started re-watching Super Bowl 39 because I love torture. If you recall, in 2004, there was a lot of people that – the Eagles were the favorite in that game. And there, and there were people that were putting Donovan McNabb in the conversation of – uh, talking about putting him up with, there with Peyton Manning, talking, comparing him to John Elway. Tom Brady wasn't there yet. Tom Brady was like a three- or four-year veteran at that time, even though he did just win the Super Bowl year before. But McNabb had been in the league since 1999. Right. So, uh, well, he was actually – Tom Brady was two Super Bowls in. So as far as levels of eliteness, people were still putting McNabb above Tom Brady at that point in time. And it's just you forget about nuances like that when you go back and look at these games and even from now till then how different the uniforms are like the shoulder pads were a lot bigger mm. than what they are now oh, yeah, it, yeah. and you don't even think about it because it feels like it was just yesterday but now it was 15 years ago that Super Bowl was played wow yeah, yeah I, mean, I know it was 2005 yeah, but... february 2005 they played it so wasn't
1: uh Harrison who sealed it with the interception at the end on McNabb i haven't
0: uh no actually I think it was Teddy
1: Bruski actually. I haven't Bruce gotten Brady. to – I
0: watched, like, the first three quarters of it. I am i don't know why I'm, I'm even watching this. Who knows? Maybe I'll do a podcast. No,
1: but like, that was such a good season for Philadelphia. Like, the T.O. goes down. They face Minnesota in the first round. And you talk about Freddie Mitchell. Like, I think he caught the ball, got hit, did a flip in the air, landed on his feet, managed to reacquire the ball for a touchdown. Like, at that point, you're like, all right, you guys are – Gonna do it, and then playing against the Michael Dick and the Falcons in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, that was a fun back and forth game. I thought Atlanta hung in there. Longer they did. Than they they really gonna. did. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I'm I, and then the TO coming back, and it's like, man, they they could they could do this. And you know, as much as drama as Terrell Owens caused, he had a hell of a game in the Super Bowl. He did. Um, it's just you know, it's a shame that just you know the like you said the Patriots and Belichick they just found a good defensive uh, scheme to. Uh, you know.
0: that's, what they, that's what they do. But also just rewatching that game, both teams look bad in the first half. And mm-hmm. looking back at that reminded me that the 2004 Philadelphia Eagles were not a good team at running the ball. They were mm-hmm. not. Um, later when Andy Reid kind of rescinded his offensive coordinator duties, he let Marty Morningwig call out of plays. Yep. That was when Brian Westbrook really yep. became an elite running back. Like 0- 06, 07. Right around there, when he was like the best running back in the NFL, um, Andy Reid was not calling the plays. So no, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Like, and there's a lot of heat on Andy Reid, like the run the pass ratio was skewed to more pass. But he's like, uh, well, was I, I pass into my running back, you know, uh, with running warning back that is uh, calling yeah, the plays.
0: But but the problem is you have you had a guy in McNabb who's not the most accurate quarterback he never his deep his deep ball was fantastic um yeah you know he was a I redskin know. for a little bit yeah. um but the problem is there was a game against the cowboys that they lost and they lost handily and i think it was like Drew Bledsoe was the quarterback or something like that for the the cowboys okay and they were talking to Westbrook after the game and like yo what do you think what went, went wrong and he came around and he said we ran the ball six times six times you don't win football games in the nfl when you run the ball six times yeah. and it's like well yeah you're right and the eagles always had a good offensive line under andy Reid, right. so but um or hey before we head out of here i just want to just briefly tell me who's your favorite uh washington player of all time your favorite it doesn't have to be the consensus favorite you know if it's joe Theismann, great if it's not if it's um i don't know whoever you tell me your favorite player Mine is Jeremiah Trotter, is my favorite eagle of all time. So in case you're wondering.
1: Man, you're putting me on the spot here. Favorite player. Uh I would have to go Daryl Green, cornerback. Okay. Just an undersized player who just outperformed everybody, was one of the fastest people in the NFL. You know, he retired. You know, they used to have the Pro Bowl Skills Challenge where they would do like races and stuff to see who's the fastest sporting time. He had been I, retired. I believe,
0: that, I believe they're not doing the Pro Bowl this year, which makes me thrilled by the way.
1: I didn't oh, hear that. Uh, I, I was do- the first time hearing about that. Check um, me on
0: that, but I believe it, it might be
1: true. Uh, will do. Uh, but he had been retired for like eight years and he's still competing in this thing and he's still winning. I mean, That's the amazing. guy is a freakish athlete. He had a lot of heart. Um, he's he's probably the most sacred redskin uh, you could possibly talk about.
0: Yeah, we have a couple, you know, uh, Dawkins. Sure. And uh, Reggie White. Mm-hmm. Guys like that. Um, McNabb is a mixed bag. Um, you love him or you hate him. I'm I've never been the biggest fan of his. Um and we got some old school guys, Chuck Bitnark. Um, he's obviously one of the older guys. You know, a lot we could we can talk about history all day. But um Jorge, I, I told you I was like, Yeah, we're gonna do a quick like 20, 30 minute podcast. Here we are almost an hour in. I mean, look at me talking about the Redskins for how long? But <laughs> It's been fun, and you know hope, hope everything goes well for you guys. Not too well this year. You can go ahead and come second. We'll, we'll We're going to win the division. Um, but this is going to be one of those years, that the COVID year, where consistency is going to be key. We are the only team in the division that's retaining their coaching staff. So I think that's going to be a huge factor into the games this year. But, um, Jorge, hopefully everything is well for you and your family. Um, thanks again for stopping by. Anything you want to say before we head out?
1: Uh, yeah, same to you. I hope you and your family are doing, uh, doing well and continue to stay safe. Thank you everybody uh, for listening. And again, you can find me on Twitter at Jorge P. Edwards and follow my website, uh, fantasy and frames at fantasy and frames. And hopefully we'll lead you to some fantasy football championships in 2020.
0: Yeah. And if you need some great redraft content, um, definitely check these guys out. They're doing great stuff. I don't think you guys have any dynasty or Debbie guys over there. So if you need that, check out the dynasty rewind that's what we do dynasty we got a debbie guy on there nate christian um so check out everything that jorge's doing great group of guys over there um from what I, i've talked to them like through twitter and everything like that but not you know Jorge and i so we could actually see each other right now we're using Streamyard, <laughs> so it's that's what i said face to face earlier so jorge thank you again hey thanks again for everybody who's listening out there uh, just remember until next time no one likes us and we don't care thanks again everybody